This is Mission.org. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron, the Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And this is the show where twice a week, you'll get VIP access into the hearts and minds of some of the most influential marketers in the world. On Marketing Trends, we'll do two things. We'll go deep on a human level, and we'll go even deeper on the nitty gritty of what makes for the most successful marketers and strategies today. I'm glad you're here. Now let's get into it. Marketing leaders are faced with a litany of challenges, an ocean of tools, and seemingly infinite amounts of data, which can all get a little bit overwhelming. Ingrid Burton, Chief Marketing Officer of Quantcast, is passionate about the industry, and on Marketing Trends, she discusses with me some of the obstacles the modern marketer faces. The challenges of today's CMO, which are very different than the challenges of even five years ago, 10 years ago, the CMO of five or 10 years ago, it is such a fast moving space and CMO has got to be well versed in strategy, in data, in understanding the market. It's almost such a big job now that I wonder how my fellow CMOs are doing. Because like I said, I started my day at 4.30 this morning because I lay awake at night with all these asks coming at me and like, how am I gonna get it all done? Do I have the right team on the field? Can we really execute to this? Can we measure our results and really make sure we're getting the attribution that we need? But it's not just that. Then there's the brand and awareness and the market is changing so fast. As you said, we need to really be thinking about how do we make sure CMOs don't burn out? How do we make sure CMOs are able to lead through this? And also, how do we make sure that the expectations are realistic? There will never be an end to all of the additional things a marketer does. Another channel to add to the mix. But be careful not to push yourself or your team beyond your limits. In this episode, Ingrid unpacks what they mean at Quantcast when they talk about providing a free and open internet. She delves into her passion and in-depth knowledge of machine learning and AI and how marketers can best utilize their endless amounts of tools. She also explains why ESG is going to be a main driver for them next year and how they're ensuring true diversity, equality, and inclusion. There's so much to enjoy up ahead with Ingrid here on Marketing Trends. Your content is at the heart of what you do. It connects your company to others, teaches them, guides them, and inspires them. But creating, managing, and editing content at scale is often very chaotic and difficult. Empower your content teams with Brightspot Content Management System, made specifically for marketers and corporate communications leaders. No more waiting for a developer to have to piece things together. Put the power to create and deliver powerful yet complex digital experiences into the hands of your marketers with a comprehensive suite of ready-to-use tools and functionality. Bring a bright spot to your tech stack, your customers, your team, with the Brightspot content management system. Visit brightspot.com 
forward slash marketing trends to learn more. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Marketing Trends. This is your host, Jeremy Bergeron, Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. Today, I'm super excited to have Ingrid Burton, Chief Marketing Officer at Quancast, in the house. Ingrid, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Jeremy. I'm so happy to be here. Super stoked to have you. I want to brag on you a little bit more because as I was doing some research on you, I mean, your, your background is incredible. I mean, you're also, you're also sitting on the board, you know, for ad council, you're on the board for the Forbes communication council. You've been a CMO at H2O.ai. You've been, you've been a CMO at Hortonworks. You've been a CMO at Silver Spring. You have this really interesting background, Plantronics, Sun Microsystems. But as I went back in your, your career, I, I saw that you have this really cool math and concentration in comp sci degree. And so you kind of went into the developer world and then <laughs> became this brilliant marketer. So I'm honored that you're here. I want to start at the beginning and I want to know that intersection of you're a, you're a developer and then it looks like you got into like product marketing or what was that about? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, sometimes you, you, you look back on your career and you just don't know how you got from A to B, but mine is like the most unexpected journey, I think of all. I, I did get a degree in math, uh, mathematics and a concentration, I guess it would be called a minor in computer science a long time ago. We won't say how old I am, but, um, you know, it was a long time ago. And I thought I was going to teach math. Um, but as it turns out, um, I became a software engineer and I did software engineering for early in my career for about six or seven years and um, kind of fell into marketing. I would explain, I would write demonstration software for three-dimensional graphics programs at Sun Microsystems. And what happened was I would explain what was happening on this system and show like these three-dimensional graphics demos to customers. And one day a product marketing director tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, you're really good at explaining technology. You should be in marketing. And you can imagine my reaction, right? Was it, yes, I love it. That's great. No, my reaction was marketing. You people are idiots. And I actually told him that. Wow. I said, I did. I, and he's a good friend now. So, you know, several decades later, but I said marketing. And I had that horrified look on my face. But as it turns out, he pursued me and a number of people in product marketing did. And they go, look, you can define products. You still can write code. You know, you'll, you'll influence the future direction of the product portfolio that we have, blah, blah, blah. And so I decided to try it. So I started as a product marketing engineer, writing white papers and then specifications for future products, and then just worked my way up all the way up the marketing ladder. It was just a, just a interesting, very interesting journey to be sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you certainly got bit by the marketing bug because it looks like- I did. I loved it immediately. Yeah. When you said yes- so I, I love to also kind of for you to reflect on the the intersection of going from marketer to marketing leader, right? Right. We talked about you, the, you were the developer, you made the switch, you fell in love with marketing. Now that doesn't mean you're going to be a great marketing leader at all. What were some of the things you began to see, do, feel as a marketer kind of now looking like, okay, what does it take to be a marketing leader? And what are some of the things you focused on, cultivated, maybe some of the things you saw in your early days of transitioning into leader? To going into a leader. Yeah. So, you know, that was another thing. I never expected to be a CMO, right? So then I'm 
So there I am sitting, you know, product marketing, you know, kind of just, you know, having a great time, but really product marketing is kind of an intersection between technical people, like in the technology space between engineer and salespeople and customers, right? So you're at an intersection point. You're having tremendous amount of influence, whether it's in engineering or the technical side of things in, in the case of Sun Microsystems, and then to what's the market looking at. So you don't actually, you're leading virtually. You're leading people, you're influencing people virtually. So it's almost be, becomes a natural for you to start managing people because you're already like, have all these relationships with people. And then all of a sudden people say, well, you know, you're really good at that. Let's put some people underneath you. And then they started putting like one person underneath me to five people to a hundred at a time. Seriously, like, you know, I hadn't led a hundred people at a time, but all of a sudden you're leading a hundred people, 200 people and more. And it's all about relationships. It's all about understanding, you know, going from, you know, I know how to do this job, but now I need to know how to motivate other people to do that job or even things I've never done before, like advertising or PR. All of a sudden I'm leading PR and advertising teams and I never had any formal training in it. But, you know, you rely on the best, you form these relationships, you trust your people, you listen to them, you hire better than what you know how to do. And all of a sudden you just get, you know, get the roadblocks out of the way, help influence like what's happening across the organization and and make it very clear, like, here's our goals, let's go there. Um, so it was really a matter of on-the-job training and wow. being curious and just, you know, leading through all sorts of situations just by saying, I have an idea, let's go there. Mm. And people would just do it and follow, whether they worked for me or not. But, you know, eventually <laughs> a lot of people ended up working for me. Wow. So, you know, for... For me, you know, the marketing leader role in a, certainly in a, in a fast growth big company like Quancast is is all about collaboration, right? Yeah. You're you know you're you're often sitting at this intersection of all these functions, product and finance and sales and IT and operations. The, the CMO role is such a unique player in the C suite, and you really have to align well with so many stakeholders. And I'm just wondering and curious, how are you doing that? Because that's something I know you've done, had to have done that well in your career. You wouldn't still be doing it. Yes. But these days, it's so important to be all those things and really align. And what are some of the things you're doing to align with all of the stakeholders? Because you're you're doing that part well, too. Thank you. I think one of the things that I really pride myself on is treating people like I want to be treated, right? It starts with respect, right? I respect the other functions that I work with, whether they're an engineer a sales leader, an HR person, or the legal department, for example. I want them to treat me with respect, so I treat them with respect. I build relationships, um, personal, not, not personal per se, but professional relationships that, you know, we treat each other with respect. We resolve issues and challenges. We celebrate our wins. We, you know, help each other out. We're one big team. The way I look at it is, and let's liken it to a, a soccer game or football in Europe, right? When you have five-year-olds playing soccer, I don't know if you've ever seen this, people, but it's called like swarm ball. They all, they're all on top of the ball together, right? Now, when you grow up and you're, you know, a soccer player, you want to play the beautiful game, the passing game, right? That everyone's playing their position. So I like to play the beautiful game at any company I'm at. I pass the ball to you. 
you take an action on it, you pass the ball back, we score the win, right? So it's all about playing the beautiful game of collaborating at a very top level, making sure that you're aligned, that you're playing your position, you're not overstepping, and that everybody understands, you know, transparently what you're trying to achieve together. And I think when that game is played beautifully, whether it's at the C-suite or at any other you know, sports match, for example, you see the win. And I think that's how companies can win if they, you know, just play that beautiful game. Mm. I love it. Like, you know, you bring it back to the the very simple but profound part of like being a human being and treating people, yeah. you know, treating people well. And and it's so important. You know, it's not necessarily this this super secret wizard trick that you have. It's like, no, actually, it's being honest and treating people the right way and, under, and listening and understanding and friendships and relationships, yeah. right? If you like right. people that you work with and we all, we all know situations where we've had difficult relationships with coworkers. I try and work through that, right? And try not to start at that place, right? It's like no friction, right? No, no politics. It's all about like those relationships you have to manage because as you said, Jeremy, we CMOs are at the confluence the center, the epicenter of every company I've ever been at, right? You know, whether it's like, we need to increase, you know, you know, market share or gain more revenue. We need to position this product and get it to market. We need to, you know, help, you know, um, you know, gain talent, bring talent into the company. We need marketing to help us with that. It doesn't matter what function, you know, every function comes to marketing and says, we need help. We want this. You know, and so you have to be kind of really mindful of that, that you are there to help the company achieve its goals. You're there to help HR onboard new employees and make them, you know, passionate champions of your brand. And you are there to help position product in the market. You are there to help sales sell. That's a big thing that I tell my marketing teams. We're here to help sales sell. If we are not there to do that, I don't know what we're here for. So it is all about making your numbers, you know, driving for growth, driving for change, having some fun, being disruptive, you know, in a, in a positive way um, and leading through, you know, change that happens in every market, in every situation, no matter what company you're at, you're always like, you're running, you're running forward. You're always running forward to try and gain a competitive advantage and help your company win. Hmm. I'd like you to think about before you joined Quantcast and decided that that was going to be the the role for you. Like from the outside looking in, you'd already been a CMO a handful of times. You've got the background, you've got the marketing acumen. What are you thinking about as you're looking at the Quantcast opportunity from the outside looking in as a marketing leader? What are you seeing there? And then the second part is what were your first kind of 90 days like once you said, let's do this? Well, it was a very interesting process. I got to say, um, Full disclosure, and I have told the, the CEO and the leadership team here, I didn't want to interview with Quantcast. What I saw from the outside looking in when the recruiter called me was kind of like no marketing. As it turns out, there was very little marketing happening at Quantcast before I joined, which is why they needed a CMO. And so it started with the first relationship. I, you know, the recruiter convinced me to speak to the CEO and said, you're really going to love him. So I did. Because he's super smart. Conrad Feldman is super smart. He has a background in machine learning, which is something I'm passionate about, AI and machine learning. He knew about big data. You know, he understood everything I as a marketer was facing in terms of reaching my audiences and making sure my campaigns were working. 
And we talked about that. We didn't talk about Quantcast. We talked about, you know, what can Quantcast do for marketing people? We talked about like, here's first party data. Here's AI machine learning. Here's how we're using it to reach audiences. And I'm like, oh my God, where have you been my entire career? The Quantcast solution is what brought me to the company, the, the first party data, the machine learning. And then I met the rest of the team. I developed a plan to, to get the job that was a one-year plan, I think 180-day plan, I think. And um, how I would go about bringing a marketing team together, building a team, didn't really have, we had a bare, bare semblance of a team, build a team, take the brand, make it come to life and do it you know, in short order. That was the request. I put together the plan. I executed the plan in the first 90 days and um, rebranded the company brought the brand to life, launched the new platform, built the team, and we got great uptick and attention in the market. And everybody was super you know, excited about what the marketing team achieved because they weren't sure what we could achieve. And we did it in very short order. Mm, okay. I love that. So in terms of building a team, you lead me right to the next question, which is building a high-performance team. When you were looking at the you know, Quantcast, you know, you're building a team there. Like, how do you, do you look at like the whole funnel and think, okay, uh, top of the funnel, here's who I need, middle, in. like, what's your kind of view of who's your, you know, what's the kind of the profile of these first, you know, handful of marketing folks? What do you, what do you look at there? Well, firstly, what I do is I don't, I don't assume, right? I listen. So the first thing I do is I walk in um, and I've built a number of, you know, high performance teams. So I walk in and listen to the leadership team, the sales team, what do they want? What do they need? But then I listened to the people in the function already. There were people in marketing and I want to listen to, I had one-on-one, the first two weeks I spent like 45 minutes per person, you know, so it took like two weeks to get through everybody and meet with them. Are you happy? What are you doing? What do you need to do? What are your challenges? What are your skill sets? And you find some amazing talent within your own team. And maybe they are not on the right, you know, they're not in the right position and they want to really secretly do something else. And so you tap into their inner, like, you know, what they want to do, their dreams and say, you know what you want? I found a great branding person that way. You want to do brandy? We have a branding need. I'm going to take you out of doing this, these metrics and having you do branding and they thrive, right? So you start tapping into the talent you have. And then what I look at is, what are we missing? What are our gaps? Where are we where are we not showing up? And I don't look at the funnel actually. I look at you know, we needed um, an analyst relations person, for example. We didn't have that as a function or a muscle memory. We built that and recently got you know recognized as having one of the top solutions by Forrester. So I mean, we started from nothing to getting to that point where we're being called out in reports. Or, you know, finding out that we needed a, a, a different digital demand gen leader. Um, okay, the, the people on the team weren't bad. They just needed a leader. So they, they have now thrived under his leadership. And so back to the funnel, it's all working beautifully now. But at the time, there were some challenges around it. So you just kind of figure out, like, listen, listen and learn and don't make assumptions. And I think just tap into the talent you have and then build a, a team on top of it. So everybody's still here pretty much that um, I started with. You know, we've had a bit of attrition, but that's the great resignation. 
but not, not anything that was surprising. It was just like, wow, look at the team that we built. I just had an all hands with them and said, look where we came from in one year. Be very, very proud. And they even say to themselves, we're, they are, our web guys, like we're a well-oiled machine. Look how fast we can crank out, um, you know, content and put up new websites and, and, and do what we're doing. And it's like, when that person has recognized it, they all recognized it. Hmm. And you, so you, you said you went through, there was a bit of a rebrand when you first joined, there was a rebrand. Yeah. Cause we were built, we were transforming the company from being, um, you know, um, a kind of an ad tech company of the past to an ad tech company of the future. And so, um, and we hadn't really tapped into the human side of ad tech, which is there's people involved, right? Meaning when you're advertising, you're trying to reach someone, right? And, and our imagery wasn't there. Our messaging wasn't there. Um, we were showing black and white images and gray images. I said, we need to humanize this brand and bring it to life with color and vibrancy and nature and really tap into people. And if you go to our website, you'll see it. You'll see a lot of people, a lot of imagery, a lot of color. But we also took a nod to our roots and making sure that some of our visual elements were incorporating our roots, which are, you know, we're all about math at Quantcast. We do a lot of math at Quantcast to, to get the results for our clients. And so you'll see plus signs on our, you know, I wanted to, kind of energize our brand, but also bring in that math element. So you'll see plus signs overlaid on top of human, um, you know, imagery and natural imagery versus staged or, you know, kind of different, different kind of images. So we transformed our brand. We brought it to life. We really honed in on our cause, which is to be the champions of the free and open internet. There's a whole talk track there, but really, Every employee here now knows what that means. And, and they really, frankly, they didn't. And so we really just brought that to life and made it engaging. And everybody at the company is involved in, in talking through that and what their contribution is. Mm. How do they add up to that brand? And that's really super important that from, you know, whether they're an hourly employee or they're the CTO, they all understand the mission of the company. Mm, that's amazing. I can also tell that you are really passionate about what you do. I love marketing. I mean, it's amazing. I absolutely love marketing Gosh. and I love my team. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I think it's important. It's like, yeah, of course. And it's like so clear that you're, man, um, it's just inspiring just to hear you share how much you care about what you've done, but like, here's the the outcomes and the things that are coming. And what well, isn't what I did, right? It's what the team did, the, the right? team. Yeah, absolutely. It's always, you know, I try, hopefully I don't say I too much. I always want to say we, we did this, we did that, right? I'm just the guide, you know, here's the, here's the guiding post. Here's the North star we want to take, or as I put it, here's the mountain we need to take. So I put that out there very early on. And I think my team here was very surprised by, you know, Oh, we're going to do that. Yes, we are. And when I showed them just a few baby steps of how you're going to climb small hills to get to the top of the peak, and they saw that they could do it, they accomplished it. So it's some of it's confidence building and having them believe in themselves. Mm. You you talked about a powering of free and open internet, and I want to I want to get into that because I mean I stated on in the it's like there's an about video on the Quantcast website that talks about powering a free yeah. and open internet for everyone. Yeah. it's a lofty claim. Um, how does Quantcast provide this? Yeah, so um, we're on the internet, all of us, right? 
And we want to maintain a high level of content out there. We, all of us, right? We all go to the internet to engage with people, communicate with people, um, go shopping, get education, what have you. My fear, our fear here is free internet means I get content for free, but it really isn't free, right? Free and open means I'm going to be able to enjoy that Wikipedia content. I'm going to be able to enjoy, you know, entertainment, courseware, et cetera, and content that you and I publish, you know, we write, we publish, you're, you're publishing, right? Your public podcast is published, right? But it's nothing's ever free, right? So maintaining the free and open internet means we have to fund it somehow. And we have to be able to fund it either through subscription, which it becomes closed and for fee, all right? If you want to get great news content, you likely have to subscribe. Another way to do it is to offer, you know, have advertising and opt-in and, and reach people that way. So a free and open internet with an advertising kind of, that's, that's kind of the, not the secret, but it's like people assume they know how the internet is being funded. I don't think they do. It's being funded through advertising or subscription. And so you have to really understand that. I'd rather not see the subscription-based model. I'd rather have ads come at me that are relevant, that reach me, that, are, that speak to me. So I'd really like to raise my hand and say, look, send me offers for my passions, right? Send me offers or reach me where I'm at versus in a closed environment. And some of the closed environments are what we call wall gardens. You know who they are. They're the Facebooks of the world. There's the, you know, the Instagrams of, the, you know, they're, they're throwing ads at me that I don't really like. And by the way, I'm not even in Facebook. Um, I'm, I'm on Instagram, but they recently are bombarding me with gratuitous ads. Um, so, you know, it's like, we need to make it relevant for people, but in order to champion a free and open internet, people need to understand that that's part of it and that we need to be able to get, you know, that right relevant content. And I want to make sure that we don't have a world where we have haves and have nots, where you can get great news from a subscription-based model and you might get fake news or different news if it's in a different model. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is where it's very nuanced and, and the free and open internet we have to, we um, as a society need to make sure that continues. Mm. I love that. We had the CMO of uh, Gannett on this week. They they own USA Today and a, and a bunch of like 260 publications. And they're talking about only four months ago, added subscription to that. And they're, it was interesting to see such an interesting brand start shifting into some of this paid, you know. Right. They were free for years, right? Right. right. But now it's like, who can afford to, to subscribe to all these news publications? Exactly. There's just got to be a different way. I'm afraid, I'm afraid for society that um, if we charge for every piece of content, what's going to happen to people that can't afford it? They're going to be left behind right? They get left behind because they're not getting the right news or the, right. uh, actually right. real news, right? They're getting fake news, right? right? Or what have you, right? So I'm passionate about this. I'm, I, th it's a, the internet is a great equalizer and we need to make sure that it's not a fee-based internet. Mm, I love that. On your website, you talk about 
you know, your commitment to diversity, equity, you know, or equality, inclusion, yep. um, the power, power of everyone. And I, and I love this. Quantcast is really committed to creating this inclusive and diverse environment. Yes. What policies have you kind of set as CMO to ensure this is, you know, happening? Well, I'm partnering. So the, as CMO, I'm partnering with our um, legal department, as a legal head, as well as our HR head to really bring this to life. It's, it's becoming more and more uh, important and critical. So we're going to be, you know, looking at ESG as a main driver for us next year because it's the right thing to do, right? So we have an environmental footprint that is already, we just haven't, we haven't brought it all to life. So environmental footprint, societal. So we have a huge DEI um, component within the company. I head up the women's network at the company. So we bring in outside speakers to talk, you know, to talk to the whole population on the women's network, but we have um, various networks, you know, we've got a vibrant community, very diverse uh, within Quantcast. If you even just look at our leadership team, more than half of it is women. So that is very unusual. There are four women and three men, Um, very unusual and probably the first time in many years that I've been on such a diverse team. Wow. Our board is diverse. um, And I meet with our diversity. um, Actually, it's Connie. She's she and I just were on the phone talking about how can we push help, not push, but get our content and our, you know, our our educational training materials, which are free into the hands of underprivileged people, because then we'll bring more people into our world of ad tech. Um, So we're doing that. And she was helping give some pointers and introductions to many diversity groups. So, yeah, I mean, we have a diversity, you know, can we do more? Absolutely. We can all do more. We should all be doing more. Um, But we're, we're extending it not outside of even the U.S. So we do even more in Australia with indigenous people and so forth. So we do quite a bit. We just haven't brought it kind of to the forefront. And that's what I'd like to do this next year. Mm. What can you share with other, you know, CMOs and and heads of marketing and marketing leaders around just the changes you've seen, you know, especially because the data that Quantcast has is the oil that, you know, and the stories that you have around behavior change and how brands are interacting with, you know, with consumers and what's just kind of some of the things high level you've noticed in the past year. And, and, and also just kind of now, like, what are you seeing across the landscape? So one of the things that's unique about Quantcast is we have this unique real-time data set. And it's one of the largest in the world behind Google and Facebook. All right. So since we started the company, we established a relationship with all the publishers out there. This is like USA Today, but like Hearst, you know, which is huge properties, Condé Nast. We have a hundred million websites there data is feeding into this anonymized data set that is one of the largest, actually running in the Amazon cloud, one of the largest um, that they have. And we're using machine learning to find patterns and make predictions about behavior of what's happening in this data set. This is about you and I, kind of what our behavior is, but we're seeing it in an anonymized form and being able to you know, see these patterns that are emerging. Now with COVID, patterns broke, okay? Things changed and they keep changing even today, right? As we see some of the new lockdowns that are coming in uh, other parts of the world because of the new variant. 
but we can see ahead of that. So some of the things that we saw like early in the pandemic were that, you know, behavior, you know, advertising stopped, people stopped buying cars, for example, but then we started seeing an emerging trend where people started looking around for used cars early on in the pandemic when nobody, when all sales were stopping, right? Everything stopped in the March of 2020, mm-hmm. April of 2020. And then we started to see people poking around on the internet around looking for new information about used cars and car sales took off in June. So we saw an early behavioral pattern and we see that time and time again, where we, that's the one that I really can discuss where we see that behavioral pattern. Now, if you're a car company at the time, wouldn't you have loved to have known that that was happening? And why was that happening? And our best data scientists were saying, well, look, public transportation was shut down. People needed Uber and things like that wasn't happening. You weren't comfortable getting in a car with someone. So people that weren't usually buying cars were now looking at, I have to get around. How am I going to get around? The trains are shut down. Um, What am I going to do? People weren't flying. People weren't driving. Or, I mean, public transportation wasn't happening. So then all of a sudden, a a need for a used car market emerged. If I were a used car dealer, I really wanted to have known that. I could have made offers. I could have caught it, you know, gotten ahead of that trend. So that's the kind of thing that Quantcast can give you insights into. And we have this amazing technology called Insights Lab that can give you that early view and get you ahead of it. So you can, as a marketer, put offers in front of people and really understand what's happening in the market before it actually happens. Mm. I saw some of a presentation you gave around AI. Yeah. And you, and it was, I think it was, it was in the past six months or so yeah. where you gave this. Um, you talked about, you know, increasing sales, precision, building loyalty, next best customer, which I highlighted that one. And I just want you to maybe unpack some of the interesting things you're seeing with AI around next best customer. So AI and, and more specifically machine learning, which is taking, starts with data and has to, you know, the engine, AI engines don't run on anything but data, right? They, are, they, they, they feed off the data, they learn from data. So that data that's coming in and every marketer out there probably has a first party data set, their own data. They know what their customers are doing. You can mine that data with your machine learning to really understand, you know, look at a kind of a cohort of people, so to speak and look for a pattern of what they're doing, a a pattern of customers. And then you can say, well, if these people are doing that and you see a new new signal come in, right? Somebody new is coming in. Do they fit that pattern? You can almost look at like next best customer. This could be the the one person they're following the pattern. So I'm going to put this offer in front of them, this content in front of them. And that is what AI and machine learning can really do for marketers is give you a you know, you look at the pattern, does this fit the pattern? Yes, they're likely to become a customer. That's just a beautiful thing. Think about that. You don't have to guess anymore. You're not, you're not, you know, spraying and praying. You're actually becoming more precise and using data to make decisions. Mm. Yeah, we're just hearing, we're hearing a lot about it. Of course, we get a lot of marketing leaders on this show talking about AI and machine learning and hearing some of the early things that they're experimenting with. And, and it's just so much innovation in this space. I'm fascinated by it. I think marketing is driving a lot of what's happening with AI machine learning today. I mean, marketing is, is the big function and one of the use, you know, all the use cases, you know, recommendation engines, customer sentiment, that's all being analyzed by AIs because you can't, you can't do it as a human being. There's too much data out there, mm-hmm. but you need a human in the loop. 
You need to make sure that there's a marketer looking at that, the results and saying, gut checking that in some sense. Does that make sense? Is that a valid outcome? Can I explain this? Can I really understand what really is happening within that data set? So marketers need to, to stay involved with their AI systems to be able to, you know, really test it, make sure, because sometimes AI gets it wrong. It does. Mm -hmm. So you got to be very careful and really have that human in the loop, meet with your data science team or the vendor that's offering the AI solution and really drill into what is it that they're doing that's giving you that result. Hmm. Cool. Is there any question you're like, oh, I want to talk about this, but no one ever asked me that? Well, I think one thing is the challenges of today's CMO, which are very different than the challenges of, you know, even five years ago, 10 years ago, the CMO of five or 10 years ago, um, it is such a fast moving space and CMO has got to be well-versed in strategy, in data, in understanding the market. It's almost such a big job now that, you know, I wonder how my fellow CMOs are doing because like I said, I started my day at 4.30 this morning because I lay awake at night with, you know, all this data coming at me, all these, you know, asks coming at me and like, how am I going to get it all done? Do I have the right team on the field? Can we really execute to this? Can we measure our results and um, really make sure we're getting the, the, the attribution that we need? But it's not just that. It's just, you know, then there's the brand and awareness and and the market is changing so fast, as you said, we need to really be thinking about how do we how do we make sure CMOs don't burn out? How do we make sure CMOs are able to lead through this? And also, how do we make sure that CMOs aren't like, that the expectations are realistic? Mm. I think that sometimes the CEOs and the boards are just thinking, wow, you're going to pull a Wall Street Journal article off today and you're going to see more revenue and you, you've, you've clobbered the competition and blah, blah, you know, and your social media is off the charts. Uh, that's a tall order, all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's this interesting relationship with, you know, predicting growth you know, for the modern CMO and marketing yeah. leader where it's like, you know, MarTech is vast and got all this data and all these things. So, so complex. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so can you predict, can you predict growth? Can you predict where we're going to be in the next six months and and why not? Right. And so that sometimes can, can be interesting. And why didn't you, and, you know, why didn't you get that article placed and, you know, only three people showed up to my thing and what, well, that's not true. Not, true. Yeah, but you know, sure. it's, it's just such a challenge um, to satisfy all of the, the constituents both from the board, the executive team, the employees have an expectation. Sure. I think it's a big load on a CMO today. And I, you know, I worry about my fellow CMOs. I really do because I'm in it and I have a great leadership team here that, that loves what we're doing in the marketing um, organization. But, you know, I know it's tough out there. Another thing I'll say just on this too, is it seems like the modern day CMO really has to have this kind of right brain, left brain or I think in the past, you know, CMOs, you you didn't have to have, you didn't have to be as well-rounded. Right. Like these days, you to be relevant and be and lead a marketing organization of any size and scale, you got to be able to play both sides and you got to understand both. And Well, you have to be left and right brain. You've got to be art and science, right? You've got to yep, be data yep. and creative. Yep. What's funny is when I originally got the call from the recruiter for Quancast, they go, we're looking for a 
full stack CMO. Of course, I was like, should I be offended? Um, <laughs> was that politically correct? But, um, you know, full stack CMO meant, you know, can you drive the channel? Can you drive, you know, awareness? Can you do demand gen? Can you do product positioning and messaging? Blah, 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 blah. Like, and, and can you lead? And, and, you know, and I was like, you know, just the weight of hearing all of that. <laughs> I mean, you just want to like, I'm drowning already, right? And right. I haven't even started like even interviewing, but um, I'm like, yes, I can. And they go, yeah, you're a full stack CMO. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> um, I don't know what everybody else is, but it, it's just, it's a daunting job. And I, I think, you know, the C-suite needs to recognize that. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm glad you spoke to that. That's important, important for CMOs out there. And that's awesome. This has been great. You've been an exceptional guest and I'm excited. Okay, here's our lightning round. This is brought to us by our our amazing friends at Salesforce. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Uh, Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com forward slash marketing. First question, Ingrid Burton, CMO of Quantcast. Your Twitter profile says you're outdoorsy. What's your favorite outdoor activity? Okay, that's hard. You want one word. Um, In the winter, it's cross-country skiing. In the and all year round, it's running. Um, and in the summer, it's backpacking. Mm, okay. Would you be back in software if you didn't transition to marketing? Yes. Least favorite marketing buzzword. <laughs> <laughs> I always love this. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Um, I just, I can't stand glibware, right? So um, <laughs> I can't stand anything that makes no sense. So I, I dissect sentences all the time and just sit there and go, team, read this. Tell me, what does it say? And um, I challenge them all the time. I said, stop looking at the words. Tell me what you're trying to convey mm. and write that down. <laughs> so I, I just, jargon just drives me nuts. But there's so many, I can't even like think of one. <laughs> okay. What is one of your favorite new marketing tools? Um, I love Drift. It's a great, great, uh, we just put it up on our website. So, yeah. Jeff comes up actually uh, quite a bit. We need to get their CMO on. Uh, their CMO's name comes up as well. So get them on the show. By the way, I love Salesforce too. Shout out to Salesforce. We all love you. Couldn't do it without them. That's right. Um, last question. Best advice for a first time CMO? Breathe. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. So it might be the most important thing in the role. It might not be on the JD, but it isn't really important. It is really important. Breathe. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Ingrid, thanks so much for being here. You're an amazing human being. We're honored and excited and very bullish on Quantcast. Congratulations on all the success. I know you're just getting started. All right. Thank you so much, Jeremy. It's been fun. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies 
to create unforgettable brand experiences so you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.